What is up, designers? And welcome back to the Grand Design Podcast, Podcast, Rodcast. <laughs> welcome back to the Grand Design Podcast, the podcast all about pushing the ideas and your head out into the world in the form of mass movements, man. This episode today, we're going to talk about what I feel is the enemy to the culture of this podcast. You know, other podcasts, they like, you know, they're like marketing podcasts. They teach you how to do the marketing things and, you know, their business podcasts. They teach you how to build the business. They teach you how to be a coach. They teach you how to do this in the third in business, the technology, all this different type of stuff that, you know, is good stuff. And we definitely touch on in this podcast. But I've been thinking a lot. What does it mean to be a designer and to have ideas in your head, designs in your head that you want to push out into the world? What does it mean to design? And uh, when I really thought about it and broke it down to the very core, the idea behind it is not creating large business. It's not being an entrepreneur. It's not being a hustler. It's not being any of those things. It's about inventiveness and constant cutting edge inventiveness. And when I broke it down like that, I kind of started to think about all the people that I look up to and idolize for their inventiveness. People whose designs have changed humanity in ways that we can't even like fathom and particularly coming from their point of view where their designs weren't already hindsight, but rather the future. You know, I can't imagine standing in their shoes and doing the things that they've done. You know, it's a lot of business podcasts out in the world. It's a lot of entrepreneurs out in the world. It's a lot of people in the world. But, uh, you know, a majority of these people, they don't design. You know, they look at the model of something that already exists and they try to make a better version or they try to make a similar version or they try to make a, I don't know, they make a version of it, you know, in a market maybe that doesn't have it already. You know, it's like uh, there'll be a cell phone company like Apple and then someone will come along and be like, oh, I'll be the first black owned cell phone company. It'll be like a, a business coach. That is performing very well, a motivational speaker, and somebody will come after him. I'm a business coach too, but uh, I'm a different type of business coach. I'm a business coach, you know. It's a lot of fitness trainers, business coaches, um, marketers, entrepreneurs. That you know, I don't know. It's a lot of the same ideas being replicated over and over and over again in society, and it's just a bunch of freaking noise that isn't design. What design is, like I said, is it's inventiveness doing what hasn't been done like Peter Thiel describes it going from zero to one you know people like Russell Brunson inventive mind even not in terms of business because the world ain't all about business not everyone cares about oh revenue your net worth sometimes it's just about ideas that are unspoken and are unpopular you know and so we have ideas in society that might get pushed forward like the ideas that Owen Cook pushed on to me as a child or as a teenager that changed my life. Ideas about health, wealth, love, happiness, fitness, all these different things. You know, who is doing the things that haven't been done yet? People like Elon Musk. We never had an electric car. He made an electric car. And then he said, you know what? We can get crazy with that. We can have a privatized spacefaring company. Designs that have never been made. People like Steve Jobs that say, okay, we got these stupid little phones, but we can do something way better than just a cell phone. And he goes from the cell phone to the next evolution. Constant inventiveness. People who went from the typewriters to full-on computers. 
jumps in human history. The more I started to track these role models, track these people who are, you know, inventive and controversial throughout time because of their new and non-traditional inventiveness. Those two words are opposites of each other. I started to realize that a lot of them weren't the most popular in their lifetime. You know, they're celebrated by many, but particularly in the modern era, people who are new and at the cutting edge and inventive because we are as designers, you know, we're controversial. We're unpopular. We're non-traditional. We're unconventional by default, by nature, because something that is new is misunderstood. That's why it's new. A lot of these people who fall in this category are particularly now more than ever at threat of a huge force moving against inventiveness. A lot of these people's ideas are being shut down and pushed away and stamped out by the masses here in the modern era. It recently happened to Russell Brunson on, uh, you know, he posted something on Facebook, you know, because people don't understand ingenuity. And so I think in the process of really defining design, I actually stumbled on what I think is the enemy of all design. Okay. And uh, so we're going to discuss that in this podcast, uh, which the enemy of all design in the modern era, you know, without further ado, is cancel culture. That's just my personal opinion. Not even that's my personal opinion. That's just the flat out truth. You know, and I'm, in this episode, I'm going to break it down exactly why. I'm going to break down, you know, the, what the dynamic of cancel culture is based in. Why it is a parasite to humanity and inventiveness and design at large. The old and the new cancel culture, because the bozos on Twitter think it's a new thing. But really, you can see it refracting in, my, you know, in every area of your life since you were a child, if you really know where to look for these types of things. What, you know, the cancel culture is stemming from. We're going to cover all this stuff in this podcast. So this is one of probably the most insane episodes I recorded. And so if you're somebody who wants a future where diversity of opinions is a diversity of opinions is celebrated, a diversity of ideas is celebrated instead of a future where it's just an echo chamber of everybody repeating the same idea because their own ideas aren't welcome. Then you might want to listen to this podcast episode. Okay, and so I'm going to roll on and start the theme music, uh, the intro music for this podcast. But before I do that, I want to say, man, if you enjoy these podcasts, please subscribe to this podcast. And then I want you to rate this podcast on iTunes or whatever platform you're on. Leave a little comment as well. We have a bunch of links in the description box that you might want to check out also. One of the new links that I'll be adding in the description box is a Calendly link. It says www.calendly.com slash tag team writing or something like that. And so I'm you I'm putting that link there because the people who come into this podcast, they're one of a kind. The people who subscribe to these ideas, they're one of a kind. This is the only people who it'll resonate with. And so if you fall into that category, you're special to me because of what you represent. I know you probably don't have a lot of people in your corner, you don't have a lot of care or community for the ideas that you want to push out into the world. A lot of people don't understand you, but I understand you and I resonate with you and I want to build a community with you. And so you can use that link at any time you want. You'll see it under every podcast episode. You'll be able to click the link. It'll bring up one of my calendars. And you'll be able to book a call with me and talk to me one-on-one. And maybe we'll actually put the podcast episode up. We'll put the episode on the podcast. Um, But I'm just interested in hearing your thoughts and your opinions on life. And just your overall thoughts and strategies on pushing your ideas out of your head into the world in the form of mass movements. And if I can, within those 
calls because we'll either be doing them in Zoom or on the phone. One-on-one, we'll be talking probably for about an hour, maybe less than that if we both have things to do. But uh, the focus of these calls for the majority is really just going to be me trying to uh, give you my thoughts, you know, uh, just really exchanging thoughts and ideas. Mainly, I want to understand you and understand where you're coming from, understand what it is that you're trying to build your design for the world. But if, you know, if you want also, I want to share some of my thoughts and ideas and strategies that can immediately help you push your, you know, further you in that journey of getting your ideas out into the world. Okay, so as much as it is just a community call, just, a, just for us to commune and connect, it it also in some forms, you know, a strategy call. Absolutely free. I don't have any products to sell you right now, um, so I'm not going. It's not a sales call. It's really just us just talking and having a conversation. I'm not going to try to sell you anything. It's not going to be a pitch. Nothing like that. I really want to connect with the audience of this podcast. And so, if you go down in the description box once again, it should be a Calendly link. Uh, the website Calendly.com. You can click that link, and then you can book book some time with me on my schedule. My schedule is pretty much completely open right now, and we can talk one on one about some of the ideas that you have for the world and some of the ways you've been trying to get them out. Without further ado, roll the theme music. How do people like us, the visionaries, the creatives, real people with real ideas, people who don't have mass budgets, platforms, or teams? And people who live in this noisy world dominated by internet gurus, influencers, and big brands. The people attempting to make a dream on our own dollar. How do we get our ideas to pierce through all the noise in not only a massive, but a massively profitable way? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Dallas, and this is Brand Design, the podcast about taking the ideas in your head, pushing them out into the world, and informing the Man, they did it to, who was the first person? They did it to Elon Musk. You know, they did it to Jeff Bezos. They did it to Kanye West. But just recently, this is the most shocking one because this is like one of the most genuine, you know, good guys that I've ever had the pleasure of, you know, hearing his ideas, whether it be through the internet or not. They did it to Russell Brunson. Okay. You may be wondering what, what the heck is going on. What did they do to him? Well, long story short is that they canceled him. Or they tried to cancel him. You know, what canceling, canceling someone is, if you don't know, it's uh, silencing the ideas of that person because they offend you or you don't agree with them or they hurt you. It's like when you're younger and a kid says something or someone does something that you don't like, you're like, no, get, get him away from me. Shut up. I don't want to hear it no more. That's kind of what it is. And I'm making this little podcast episode because I think we have a hidden pandemic on the horizon that no one's talking about. Society is heading towards an echo chamber, which is when the mass only wants to hear its own ideas echoed back. We're heading to a place in society, I believe, where there's literally no diversity of opinion because every other opinion is like offensive, even opinions. And don't get me wrong. I don't like when people attack people for being offended. You have every right to be offended, you know, and some people are offended for good reasons. But at the same time, I think the way these instances where people are offended, they're handling the offender in the wrong way, you know, um, 
we're heading towards a future where there's one idea, where there's one correct way to think. And if you think outside of the box, they're going to try to knock you off. They're going to try to silence you. Because people have no idea what value is being held or what value is produced from a diversity of opinions. It seems like a witch hunt every single day or I look at it like, but a witch hunt particularly towards people who are, who have ideas that are different from the mass, that are unconventional, unpopular, untraditional, and extremely beneficial to society. It seems every day, like it should pass the day, a witch hunt against designers or people who have ideas that want, have designs in their head that no one else understands that they want to push them out into the world. And more and more, as these incidents happen, I'm constantly jolted back and reminded to the world that we came from. Tell me if this is something that you can relate to. You weren't allowed to be vocal as a child or as a teenager or whatever else. Or even maybe now as an adult. You were never allowed to be vocal. You know? I remember when I was a child, man. And this is something that burns in me in some degrees to this very day. I mean, I've let go a lot of it. Pretty much all of it. But, you know, the memory itself is still pungent. I remember as a child, one of my biggest issues. And I was talking to a friend of, uh, a friend of you know, my friend's father about this one night sitting on the couch. I always felt like I was disconnected from my family. Like we couldn't talk and discuss the things that really mattered. You know, I have two parents, obviously, and I have four other brothers, so five of us in total. And you'd expect five individuals who grew up like hand in hand, like literally took baths together. Me and my two older brothers and not my two younger brothers, but they took baths with each other. And we were all very tight knit and very tight, you know, tightly wound. Um, you would expect a unit like that would have so much camaraderie and secret share between them that it would just be such a good time. Like it would, it would be insane. You know, their, their, their unity would be unbreakable. But for the large part growing up, you know, I really felt alone. I really felt isolated in a lot of ways. I didn't really feel like I shared the strongest bond with my siblings. Now it has since changed, but I remember just being young and having a rudimentary, if that's the right word, an instinctual fear you know, towards the notion of expressing how I felt. Can you relate to that? I mean, how many of you grew up feeling like you were different just by default? Just feeling like you weren't cut from the same cloth as the rest of society. That you were just knowing instinctively, innately, that you would never walk the, you know, the traditional path. You know, everywhere we come from, we have culture. You know what culture means? It means when where you from is where you from. You dress the same as people from there. You talk the same as people from there. Your religion is the same people from, as people from there. Your ideas about life, financial, spirituality, and everything else between is the same as people from there. You know what happens when you grow up in a culture? When I was growing up, you know, one of the things I realized, because with four other brothers, it's a prime testing ground for new ideas and how society would react to them. I remember when I was growing up, the way my brothers would, because I have two older brothers, they would be explorers. They would be pioneers in a way. And throughout time, they would be shaped into the mold of society. I remember back to back them expressing new ideas. Like, oh, I want to dress like this. Oh, I want this type of girlfriend. Oh, I want, 
you know what I'm saying? I want a girlfriend in general. Oh, I don't like this part of religion. I remember them because children are so, full of so much energy and askings, pulling so much things from the world because we grow up in a world that's funded, like fundamentally like full of so much information with the advent of technology. They were pulling so many different things and so many different cultures into the household, into our culture. And I remember time after time after time after time again witnessing these situations where they come with something hot, come with something brilliant, that it would be met with either silence or violence. Okay? Their individuality, their own beliefs, their identity, their ideas would be shut down in an instant. No. You can't do that. How many times have you heard that, man? Everybody is so fond of telling their children what they can't do. Because I said so. Because I'm the parent. Boy, just listen to what I told you. You know? Back to back to back. Respect your elders. I remember realizing very early on that, one, this is the way of life. We don't try new things. And that new ideas aren't very celebrated here. How many of you felt that way? Now, how many of you look at the dynamic of your family after feeling that way and realize they've all branched into pathways that don't actually supplement who they are and how they feel? You know, I remember when I was very young, talking on that couch to my friend's dad, because I always used to look at him and admire the way him and his friend, you know, him and his son interacted. You know, they talked about things. They expressed how they felt. They had their own mind. They had their own pathways. They were allowed to be individuals, you know, and man, particularly for him, because he was a little bit like me. Somebody that's extremely radical, extremely different, extremely vibrant, a peacock in the environment. But very seldom was he ever shut down. Whereas most families I witnessed, I had so many other different friends and I realized their culture was their culture too. You know, some white friends, you know, he would date a black black girl. His mother would, you know, shame him and attack him for dating a black girl because that was their culture. That's how they grew up and that's what they wanted to enforce in their family. I remember, man, being young. And even advancing into my teenage years, one of the things that I was adamant about is, man, I just wanted to be heard. I just didn't want to, you know, even like I felt so alone, man. I just wanted somebody to talk to. Like I just wanted somebody to hear me for who I was. You don't even have to accept it, but just converse with me. Don't try to stamp me out. Don't get angry at me. Don't threaten me with a beating. Don't put me on punishment. Just hear who I am. How many people felt that way, man? You felt it in your heart. Every time you try to explain something to your parents, man, they get upset and they just don't want to hear from you. You know, when I was approaching my teenage years, one of the things that really upset me the most, and don't take this as a witch hunt against my parents, because my parents, man, some of the best parents in the world. I really love them, man. I really do. I love them more than anything, man. And I remember my childhood, man, and I was happy. I wasn't happy then, but I look back and I'm happy now is what I'm saying. I'm happy. And I'm glad and thankful for everything they did. So don't don't take this no way against my parents, please. But I'm just telling you how I felt. I remember one thing, you know, that hurt me a lot as I grew into my teenage years. Because when you grow into your teenage years, it's like a Cambrian explosion of ideas. You enter in high school and you're deciding your identity and you're borrowing, particularly in this generation, because we have cameras and we have these technological zooms and uvus and we can see and interface with people all around the world. 
you know, and so I'm coming in and I, I got all these different ideas, you know, I'm watching Owen Cooks on YouTube at this point, Elliot Hulse, the hard twins, I'm learning different ways that we can diet, food, that certain foods are bad for you, certain ways we can dress, and I remember sitting at the dinner table one day, and this was the first time this happened, I was telling my family about, I was angry, I grew up very, very angry, I'm not going to lie, I grew up angry after a while because I felt like I couldn't be me and I couldn't move in a way and express in a way that I was meant to. I felt like literally the essence of me as a designer who wants to put new designs into the world, um, that I was just being blocked up in so many different ways. I feel like everybody say teenagers are born to be rebellious. Nah, teenagers, teenagers ain't rebellious, man. Teenagers feel rebellious because they're so marginalized. Then they start to lash out because nobody in the world understands them. And then when you grow out of the teenage phase, man, you've just been beat down so much, you lose that energy. You lose that passion. You lose that vitriol. You lose that conviction. And you just accept what people told you to be instead of embracing yourself. And every now, that's why the depression is so high in the side. ain't no doctor, but this is what I feel and why the anxiety is so high. Because people are living in shadows of their former selves, a shadows of who they really are. They're walking in the footsteps that were predicted by society and not what they actually felt in their heart. I remember I was sitting at the dinner table and I was talking to uh, my parents, man. I was just so passionate, man. I was just ranting, man. Like, man, why do we keep drinking Coke in this house, man? Why we always got these sodas, man? Because, you know, this soda got this, that, and the third in it. This is Spartamine in it. Spartamine in it. Or all these different chemicals that lead to cancer. And, you know, it does nothing to supplement our brains and our actual awareness and focus and our performance in life. It's, this is really burning us down and holding us back. And I remember, man... My father was talking to me, you know, he was just trying to diffuse my anger because the way I communicated back then was so poor because I was full of so much venom from just not being heard for so many years, you know, and for the first time, you know, my mother was just like, she just like walked away and just went upstairs like she was like upset with, you know, some of the things that I was saying and she just walked away and that was the first time that happened, but routinely after that. Every time me and my father would get into discussions, even when I began to calm down in some of my later years, she would just say, man, are y'all done talking? All right, y'all wrap this up, man. Or she would walk away. And, you know, I feel like a lot of it was in part due to the fact that I was a poor communicator and I was full of so much anger that I embodied. But I remember how badly that would hurt me. And like I said, this ain't a smear campaign against my mother. My mother is... Come on now, that's my mom, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Really blessed human being, beautiful soul in every way. You know, this was a time of misunderstanding, that's all it was. But I remember, man, every time she walked away, man, that would just hurt me so bad. You know? You know, on the surface level, man, in my thoughts, man, I wanted to bring innovation. I wanted to bring a healthy lifestyle. I wanted to change the way we live. I wanted people to feel better to feel strong to feel like they had dreams that's all i wanted to do to feel the excitement of all this different culture that's happening in the world but even more on a fuck uh, on, on, on like a on, on like an inward level on a, like a uh, like like on a, like on a like a low like a like a what is the word for it man i'm getting i'm getting let me calm down on like a like on my inner level inside i guess Really, I just wanted to be heard. I just wanted to talk to my family. I just wanted to have conversation. Even in some ways, I just wanted to be recognized. Like, oh, this person thinks this way. 
wow, that's something that's interesting about him. I wanted people to understand who I was and admire who I was and feel who I was within my family, within my friend groups. I didn't resonate with the culture I was in. Not at all. And because I wasn't, you know, it, it caused a lot of pain to be someone different than the person people expected. There were versions of me in their head that I was, but I had the real version of me in my mind and the distance between the two caused so much stress. The battle between those two identities caused so much stress, even in terms of the languages that I would use, you know, and so I wanted love, I wanted companionship, but I hit a wall in communicating and making them feel what I felt. Even that's the reason why I started this podcast, because largely in life at this point, I still feel like in a lot of ways I'm talking to myself. Like no one really hears the words that's coming out of my mouth. I feel like these ideas, like some, you know, if you're a designer, you're going to have sparks of intuition, sparks of ingenuity, sparks of ideas. You're going to have designs that the world is not necessarily ready for. The world can't quite understand. And you might be fumbling and bumbling and ranting over your thoughts. And it might be such a disturbing and enraging process that people don't hear you every single day. And so you might feel so alone in the world. I mean, there are days I feel like the loneliest person in the world. I remember blowing out the candle just a few months ago for my 23rd birthday. And I just wished for community. A, a group of people that understood me and felt the way that I felt. Not that they resonated with me, not that they had the same opinions, but they actually engaged me on things that I felt in my heart. And I engaged them too. And that we bonded in that way. That's something I wished and prayed for. And even back then, man, I remember growing in my teenhood and one of the things that I experienced was anger. A lot of anger. Bright, red, vivid anger. You know, I remember talking on a bus one day and being so upset that I tried to throw my phone out the window. Smashed against the window, cracked the glass a few times, and tried to throw the phone out. Uh, cracked the glass of my phone out the window. I remember snapping on a lot of friends, arguing back and forth with my parents. A lot of the conversations that we had turned to arguments. You know, I had such a rage. Like, okay, you know, since people don't want to listen to me, whenever they come to me with an idea, I'm gonna have an edge. I'm gonna talk them down. I'm gonna try to seem all intellectual and arrogant, and I'm gonna try to talk them down and make them feel the way I felt. We're going to argue and go back and forth. We're going to, if, you know, I'm going to win this time. We're we not going to, you know, you're going you're gonna to hear me one way or another. I start to feel those types of emotions. And it started to manifest in so many different avenues in my life. How many of you can relate to that? How many of you grew up in a, y'all, you always ranting. You always ranting. You always, you know what I'm saying? Like, how many people feel that way? I was uh, 18. When I got into my current relationship, I was 18, right? Yeah, I was 18 when I got into my current relationship on July 2nd of, I'm not going to give you all the year, <laughs> July 2nd of 2015. So it will be five years and a few, uh, about um, 28 days or something like that. Me and my girlfriend been together forever. But I remember around 2015, 2016, getting in my relationship and that when I got in my relationship, I was really at a point in time where I was almost at the anger that I felt still lingered along, but it turned into like an arrogance. Like I felt like I knew everything. I wouldn't really, I was really hard headed. I didn't really listen to a lot of people. Um, in the beginning, early days of our relationship, this is kind of like some insider. I gotta be, I'm getting vulnerable with you. Okay. In the beginning days of our relationship, you know, I took a lot of that chip on my shoulder into it. And 
a lot of the conversations or a lot of the ideas in the culture of my girlfriend, I would try, I would, I would, I would, I would combat. You know, you grow into a place of not letting people hear you. And so you grow very defensive about the fact that, you know, you feel like people are poaching you, like people are trying to crush your individuality and crush your culture. And so you become defensive. Okay. And then you almost go on, on, on the offense in order to get them before they get you or something like that. And so I, we would we would argue sometimes, not a lot or anything like that. It was a very beautiful time, very blissful time. But every now and then I would find myself arguing about her or attacking her or, or, or chasing her on some points that weren't really valid. I just had this bright anger that would, I see something that just trigger me and it would just spark and I'd be like, blah, 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 this. Why did you post that on this? Why did you, why are you texting me so late? Why did, did, did? like, I was just like, in so much confusion and in so much pain that it pushed me to hurt, that it pushed me to cancel ideas that she would have. In my exile from culture, because it is in ways an exile, designers aren't allowed to be existent. Just by your very nature, you know, you're something that, you know, people who push designs out into the world by the very nature of it because the design is something that's new revolutionary and people don't like change people don't like revolutionary things they'll fight against it okay you're already something that's that, that that's easy to attack that's easy to put down because people don't understand it okay and so i started to found a culture of people who are like me people who are visionaries people who are creators you know, which I'm neither of those things now because I realized what those things entail. But I started to follow people like Kanye West, my favorite Kanye West, you know, and I started to follow people like Russell Brunson, started to love people like Elon Musk. I'm like, man, these people know how to live. Owen Cook, these people know how to live life. These people know, like, these people know what's up. They like they know what to focus on. These people are all about create, 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 change the world. They think big. I love people who think big on a massive scale that that is unlike anything anyone else has ever seen. And they're pushing new and fresh, prolific ideas. The ideas that aren't mainstream but aren't crazy. They're in the middle. Prolific, new, brand new ideas out into the public every single day. And I realized, and then 2016 came around, and things started to change a little bit. Twitter started to get more popular, okay? Twitter started to get more popular. And with the advent of Twitter, culture had began to change, okay? I remember the 2016 election, coming up to the 2016 election. I remember I never vote, and I never will vote. Because you know what? If I want something to get done, I'm going to do it. And if I want to vote on somebody, I'm going to vote on me. Every single time. I've never seen the point of voting. Uh, I'm not conservative. I'm not Republican. I'm not liberal. I'm not Democrat. I'm not any of those things. But I was swept away, particularly with the events leading up to the 2016 election. With the death of like Trayvon Martin, the dropping of the pimp butterfly, I was swept away. And coming up to the 2016 election, I was very caught in the polarity of it all. It kept popping up in my timeline. It kept popping up and I, I felt myself choosing sides. I felt myself just like, you know, coming up on the end of the 2016 election, 
I felt a lot of negative feelings towards people who were conservative, people who were Republican, people who weren't like me in the world. And I felt myself just angry. I had I went to Eastern Tech, which is a, a very Republican conservative school, I would think. You know, it's a very white area, very white school, conservative, uh, Confederate flags on a truck and things like that. And even through going through that schooling system and some of the experiences that I had there, feeling like an outcast had led up to this feeling because this was the year after I graduated. And I had followed a lot of these people on Instagram, people that I would consider friends. And when the polarity swept through, there had become a divide on either side. And closer and closer we got to the election, angrier and angrier and angrier I got. Why couldn't people understand how mad this guy's campaign was? Okay? Coming to the end of the election, I seen a lot of, oh, this is a thin blue line. Oh, Donald Trump, MAGA, make America great again, 2016. And I remember coming, like when the election was at its apex, just unfollowing and blocking a bunch of people. I just want to get rid of them. I just want to, these ideas suck. I I don't want them on my timeline. I don't want to see you. We're not friends anymore. Don't talk to me. I was just so angry. And then Donald Trump, I remember we were standing in a, a, a Don Pablo's, which is a restaurant that no longer do this, but it was a Mexican restaurant, watching the television screen, the 2016 election when the tide began to turn. And uh, it was apparent that Trump was going to win the election. And I remember him winning the election and just feeling like hollow and feeling like empty and feeling like defeated and feeling angry at the people who actually elected this person because I felt like a lot of his campaigns were run on ideas that I just flat out couldn't agree with I was like you know I, I was just completely like blown away that I felt like the campaign a lot relied and leveraged racism and it was a feeling like wow this is a culture that still exists within the world and you know I don't agree with these people so I won't be around them I wanted violence and I wanted silence. At the same time, I wanted to silence these people. I wanted to ignore them. I wanted them to go away like children. I want to get rid of them. Get rid of them. I wanted to fight. After Trump won the election, man, I called out of work the next day. I stayed home. You know, I didn't want to go back. I didn't want to see anybody. You know? Let me get real. Like, like, to be honest, I I just didn't. There wasn't something that I was with. I was crushed. But as we all get crushed, sometimes I moved on. And after the election, I continued to vibe with the ideologies. Of, you know, there continued to be, you know, turmoil in my relationship. Not turmoil. I won't want to say that because I've always had a beautiful relationship. We really don't have any disagreements pretty much at all. But there would be little spots where we would disagree, not turmoil. We would disagree in some spots. And I would just try to, like, talk and, like, just say my point and not listen at all and just go and go and go and go. And Because I'm hard-headed and I believe what I believe. And I always think I'm right. Even to this day, man, I have, uh, I, I believe, I have a big ego. But I got a big ego for everybody. Now, it's the difference. I'm number one. They number one, too. I'm the greatest in the world. They the greatest in the world. You know? My girlfriend said something today that was very brilliant. She said, uh... Ain't no problem with having an ego. You just got to realize that they got an ego too. I don't know if ego death is the way or getting rid of the ego is the way, but the way, you, the way you look at your ego has to change throughout time. Coming up on 2016, like I said, I continued in my ways. Continued to be combative. You get to a place, you're, you're like, okay, well, since they don't want to hear me, I don't want to hear anybody else. I want to talk over. I want my ideas to be prevalent because these people just don't know. It becomes an us versus them type of culture. 
I began to continue to binge and listen to the ideas and love these ideas of people like Kanye West. And then the whole ideology of cancel culture began to kind of ramp up. I remember the first cases like uh, they canceled, I think it was, I was watching on television, it was like Russell Simmons or something like that. So he assault, sexually assaulted all these different people. And I'm like, okay, I can agree with that. Cancel the guy. Get him out of here. Screw him. You know? Who cares about Russell Simmons? You know, and they were canceling Harvey Weinstein, Bill Cosby, all these different people canceling. I'm like, yeah, no one cares about rapists. You know, get him out of here. Matter of fact, hang him. You know, <laughs> just super radical stuff. And uh, sorry, people, but my, no, not sorry. My opinion on that to this very day has not changed. If you're a rapist, you're a rapist. You got to go. And you got to go hard. There is no justification for that. There's no justification for that behavior in any way, shape, or form. Not sexual harassment, not sexual assault. There's no justification for that. There's also no justification for the attacking. And I want to say this to, it happens worldwide, but I want to say this to my black listeners, my black people. Bro, if you black and you attack people who are trans and who are gay, it ain't no justification for that either. It ain't no justification for that. What you're doing is, it ain't right. I can justify murder in some cases. I can justify racism in some cases. But I can't justify that. You know what I'm saying? I can't justify that. That ain't right. No, let me roll that back. Hold up. I can't justify racism. But me personally, I'm black and I I don't really care about it. I don't. You know, uh, because I'm saying as it affects me. You know, because it's not racist towards me. Who cares? Get him out of here. Nobody cares about him. You can't stop me. I'm, I'm Michael Jordan. I'm going to dunk on you. It doesn't matter. But I can't stand, you know, the marginalization of certain people. Like, you know, and that's not right. Let the LGBTQ community, our people, blossom. You know, but enough of that. You know, coming up on 2016, you know, people started getting canceled. Okay. And uh, I was, I was, it was great. It was beautiful at first. But then it began to ramp up. And I remember the first time Kanye West wore that Make America Great Again hat. And friends and family around me, people who knew that I supported and loved Kanye, just started going in on him, man. And I was like, bro, I still believed in this guy. And I just felt bad. Like, And they started going in on me. Like, I can't believe you support this guy. He's a piece of trash. This, that, and the third, and I'm trying to explain to them. He's saying slavery is a choice, and I'm trying to explain to them like this guy is brilliant. Listen to what he's saying; it's the strategy behind his ideas. Listen to what he means. You're not giving him a chance. You're just triggered by these things that you feel, but they aren't based in truth. I'm trying to tell them that, and they're just not listening. They, oh man, I had a lot of heated debates and arguments started because people wanted to trash Kanye, man, and I'm just riding with them because I know. His soul, man. I know his brilliance. I know what he stands for. Year after year, you go on. People attack Jeff Bezos because he's a billionaire. I'm like, no. You need money to push your ideas out into the world. No. You're wrong. Socialism is stupid. Ah. Like, crush me every time. Arguments back to back to back. And as these identities started to get pulled, as people started to attack people that were closer to me and started to resonate with me, I talked to take a step back and realize, oh, shit. 
I started to look back on all the times during the elections and everything where I started to cancel people who were Republican. I started to cancel people who were, who were conservative. And I started to imagine, wow, they must have felt how I felt when I was growing up. When I had a different opinion that wasn't popular in culture. When I felt a particular type of way that people weren't familiar with and they tried to tell me because I'm the adult. Now they're just saying because I'm the mass, you have to listen to me. I really at that moment start putting all the pieces together and I realize the way I've been treating people, the way I've been, you know, looking at people and trying to stamp their ideas out of existence. Owen Cook said this in a video recently and I think this is a brilliant way to explain it. Human beings Generally, the masses don't know anything about conflict resolution. When they have a problem with somebody, they don't know how to deal with it. And so the outcome is usually they try to treat them with silence, they ignore them, or violence. They raise their voice, get destructive. And when he said that, all of what my thoughts on this were kind of aligned perfectly in that moment, even though they were before. I was reacting to a lot of the things that offend my personal sensibilities without actually going into them and thinking about them logically. And thinking about the way the other person felt, for better or worse. And I was reacting to those situations with silence. Oh, just cancel them. Just unfollow me. Block, block, block. Or violence. I would argue with people back to back to back to back. And in realizing that I was doing this, I started to peel everything back and think about how that would happen to me as a child. And how that I felt. I started to think about the way that we all want. An outcome from this situation. When I cancel someone, it's because I want them to think and feel like me. I think I'm right and I want them to get my point. But I started to think back to childhood and think about how my parents would, you know, say, like, they would tell me, stop thinking, stop doing something. They would get mad at me for thinking like a particular type of way. And that never made me change my opinion. All that did was make me feel lonely and isolated and hurt. And I traced back to those moments and how that hurt. That feeling that I wasn't listened to only led to a seed of anger that blossomed into adulthood where I'm a person that I'm not changed. I don't have any difference of opinions. But all I have is an anger towards people and a defensiveness towards people who do. The same way they were handling me, it didn't teach me to be like them. All it taught me was to be against them. Going, you know, how many people experience is going to bed some nights after arguing with your parents and you feel like, man, I'm going to get you one day. I'm a man, you know, you were kids, so you're saying crazy things. You're like, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill my parents. I can't wait till I run away. I can't wait until I get up and leave, man. I'm leaving right now. I'm going to run away. I hate y'all. And you grow up into a person that the same way they've handled conflicts because you're full of so much anger and it's just us versus them now and rationale and the benefit of people and everything that's good that's coming out of somebody else's ideas you're not even willing to hear it you're just like that which you tried to defeat way back then every new and controversial idea is what I was realizing I was either silencing it or violencing of it <laughs> silencing it or, or acting to it with violence I was cancel culture I was trying to make an echo chamber of people that hear, sounded like me. You witness this in every relationship. This is your relationship is a microcosm for the way you handle um, uh, conflicts. 
And you probably learned that from your parents that tried to do the same thing for you and you never liked that. Think about when you and your girlfriend have a difference in opinion. This is something I've experienced a ton of times. We argue back and forth. We argue back and forth. And then no one's actually changing opinions. You argue in the future and you argue again, you argue again, you argue again, back to back to back because the same subject keeps coming up over and over again. And you relate to even silence. I'm leaving. You stop texting them. You hang up on them. You, you block their number. You block them all on social media accounts. I've done this so many times. Or you resort to violence. You start to break things. You start to hit the wall. You start duh, 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 duh. And I know people who do that too. A lot of people resort to violence when their silence doesn't work. When they feel like they just don't have anywhere to outlet their emotions. That's something that Dr. Phil said. People resort to violence when they feel like they have no other means to communicate anymore. And that's what a lot of the world was going through. And I realized, just like in my relationship, when I would resort to silence and then we'd argue again later because she wasn't changed. She was just angered by the fact that I didn't hear her. Or I was angered by the fact that I didn't hear her. What we do essentially, or what I was doing in effect when I was blocking all these Trump supporters, because I go up and check in 2017 and 2018, or maybe about the riots in uh, Baltimore where I lived back in 2014, I realized people were still getting killed. Riots were still taking place. Arguments are still happening in the future. These people are still liking Trump. All that I was doing was causing them to dislike me. All that I was doing was causing polarity. I wasn't actually solving the issue. Same way when my parents talked to me and told me to shut up, they weren't solving the issue. They were just making sure I had vitriol for them. They were just making sure that they strengthened the things that they wanted to stamp out of me. I started to join cultures around the people who stood for things that I stood for that were against them and their ideologies in that culture. I started to realize that resorting to silence or violence, canceling people doesn't work at all. All it does is two things. It strengthens them in their resolve or it strengthens them in their resolves and makes them be more surreptitious, more stealthy with their means of expression when I turned 18 years old or not 18 when I turned 22 years old the difference in opinions and culture between me and my parents actually led to me essentially leaving my home in the middle of the night and opting instead to be homeless which I from then went to live with my girlfriend and her mother and I didn't speak to my parents for a multitude of months and then I moved across the country without even coming home. And that hurt my mother's feelings a lot, but I didn't know what other way to react. I felt like as long as I stayed there, we would just never get along because our opinions were just too different. There was an error in communication. And I remember going across the country, just completely not talking to my parents at all. And just, just pondering on my life at large. And I tell this story a bunch of times, so I'm not going to go over the details to that. But I was in the hotel, you know, walking down the street, wondering why I had such failure in business and such success in life in general in terms of the fact that I'm living and I'm always clothed and I'm always, especially looking at these homeless people in L.A., how did I have what they didn't? And I realized a lot of it was in part fact due to like in some areas of my life, in terms of my ideologies, in terms of business, in terms of things like that, I was unwilling to yield. I was in a competitive and self-serving mindset. And in every other area of my life, I was collaborating. When I started to look at the world through that lens, like, okay, 
you're self-destructive and you cause or you perpetuate that which you don't want. Arguments and, 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 and headbutting and everything that's negative in the world when you resort to silence or violence. When you compete and you try to be better instead of listen to people and that the solution is an actual empathy. When you integrate with people, when you hear people out, when you talk to people, when you discuss without anger, without trying to be better, without trying to compete, without trying to stand them out of existence, without, without the ways that you were taught to do things, that's the only way situations begin to work or begin to work. That's what I realized. And so I changed the ways that I communicated or it's an active process and in, in, in change the way I'm trying to communicate. And instead of whenever something I disagree with, whether it's in media, whether it's in politics, whether it's in my family, whether it's with my girlfriend, I just try more often to accept what they're saying and just to listen and then empathize with them and work on a collaboration that we can all enjoy. And when I started to look at the world that way, I realized, first off, my life in terms of the way that me and my family and my girlfriend and everybody else integrate the way I feel on the day-to-day basis about things that happen in the media, such as this recent protest, the death of George Floyd. My emotions overall, my life and the way I feel is in such an upward spiral, I can't even explain the bliss behind it. Everything's different. The willpower I have, which is fueled by the joy that I have, access to every single day is like night and day. I used to sit and just eat like chips all day and really not do anything. But now I'm like, I work out like nearly every day. I meditate like literally every day. I'm happy. I'm joyous like literally every day. Life is like night and day. And the relationships I have with people are as beautiful as they have ever been. And I realized looking back, the way my parents and a lot of people reacted towards me was because of what I was putting out towards them. I was coming from a competitive mindset. What I realized is that I was canceling people instead of actually integrating with people. When people, you know, just because you think your idea is better, don't mean, even if it is, don't mean you don't listen. Because if you don't listen, if you don't understand, if you don't go to hear somebody out, you will never truly know whether your idea is better or not. Looking back on a lot of my life, I realized a lot of the ideas that I have or had at the point in time were right, yeah. But a few of them were wrong. And those areas where I was wrong, they lead to so much, like, like, like the improvement that I have, you know, even having like multimillionaires on this podcast, nine figure business owners on this podcast came as a result from those areas that I missed. I would overlook strategies and books like Expert Secrets, like the Dream 100, because I was so competitive and I wanted to do things my own way instead of just listening and collaborating and empathizing with the way people thought and the things that people said and the ideas that other people had. So, what does that mean? Looking at society, the only thing that society knows how to do is to drive people to silence or violence. All we have into society today is cancel culture. And because cancel culture, like naturally the people who listen to this podcast, designers, people with brilliant ideas, people, people who are now canceled, like Elon Musk, people like Jeff Bezos because he's rich, people like, um, you know, uh, Kanye West, the brilliant people who will, really will force and drive change. People like even back in the day, people like Galileo Copernicus, who says, OK, the earth doesn't revolve around. I mean, everything doesn't revolve around the earth. And they tried or well, they did kill them. I believe they killed those guys. Um people who drive ideas because ideas that are new 
are by nature untraditional, by nature unpopular, by nature unconventional. You know, because these ideas by nature are those things, they'll be the first things that are attacked. They'll be the first things that are hunted. They'll be the first things that are marginalized. They just made a, like, they, I remember I was listening to Russell Brothers' podcast and he just, like, talked on a podcast how they were attacking him for something that he posted on social media. And we're going to talk about that a little bit, but the idea is this. Because of that, because of the nature of these people being unpopular and controversial, and that everybody coming through listening to this podcast is unpopular and controversial, cancel culture is the parasite of design. It's the cancer, the antithesis, the antithesis, antithesis of design. It's the enemy of this culture that we're trying to build on this podcast. And if left unchecked, Cancel culture literally leads to an authoritarian, terrorist-like future that we probably would never even want to live in. It is the, it is, it is, it is the Achilles' heel of all innovation. It is the the destruction of all innovation, because essentially what it does is they look at people who are innovative and who are different. It looks at a diversity of ideas and says no. We don't like your idea, not on the basis of our ideas being beneficial, not on the basis of our ideas being more advanced than yours, more progressive than yours, not on the basis of our ideas being better. It's the mass looking looking at these new people and these new ideas and saying, I don't like that one. Listen to what we have to say. Ban these ideas. We're progressing and people don't realize this to a society that is an echo chamber. You can only express one idea. Think about how bad that is in so many different lights. Think about, you know, countries like uh, Germany around World War II when all the media was state-owned and it was pumping out state-owned propaganda. Look at what type of world that led to. You see, cancel culture is, is, is awful. Because like I said, man, when you cancel people's ideas, you'll have these different events popping up in the world that are radical, sweeping, and... and unforeseen or un, you're like you can't track them you couldn't foretell them unpredictable because you don't you don't change people's ideas when you cancel them when you try to silence them all you do is make them more stealthy with it and make people more angry and so you'll have situations where bubbling under the surface because people on the surface said no incels are bad which they are bad sorry incels they are pretty bad but that doesn't get rid of incels all they do is they go underground and start these weird fishy movements on like forms that no one can see. And what happens when that collective of people grow to a mass that we can't manage? They come out and destroy everything. Think about, you know, and this is the thing. I value the ideas of Republicans and conservatives. A lot of Republicans and conservatives, just like a lot of... Democrats, liberals, Republicans, conservatives, I value them both. They're equal in my eyes. I know a lot of people won't like that opinion, but I don't care. I look at the value of people and their ideas, and I just take them, and I just love them, and I consider them, and I hear you, regardless of who you are. But this is an example. General, There was a general idea of what the world is supposed to be and what the world is supposed to believe prior to the 2015 election. The world had a moral compass. And what it would do was say, everyone who went against this moral compass, they're bad, they're canceled, they're out of here, they're out of the media. 
So what did it do to those ideas that they didn't agree with? Now, these aren't necessarily conservative or Republican ideas, but maybe some ideas that are maybe a little bit racist, maybe a little bit of prejudice, maybe a little bit hatred-fueled. What happened is these ideas didn't disappear. They went underground. They disappeared from view. And when everybody's predicting that these ideas are gone, and so Hillary will win by default, you know, boom, out of nowhere, these people resurface in a one swift, crazy, and powerful movement, and Donald Trump wins the election. Okay, now, like I said, it's not my analysis that, you know, these people are evil or hate-fueled or anything like that, but some of them were. Some of the world was worth for sure. What do I mean by evil and hate-fueled? Just because I'm saying people who are offended don't have sovereign reign and cannot decide whether people should talk or not don't mean I'm not attacking the people who try to offend people on purpose. That's another thing that I don't like. Oh, you snowflake. Oh, you're, you're the one that's offended. You're taking all your time to attack somebody on the internet. It's like me. I don't subscribe to an organized religion. But atheists that are like, you believe in some magical man in the sky. That's pretty awful. Even if they are wrong and you are right. All you're doing is the same thing I've done all my life. You're trying to cancel out their ideas. Instead of integrating. You're trying to call, all you're doing is causing a divide. And perpetuating the cycle of going underground, going silent, and then popping out and destroying. Going inside, going underground, popping out and destroying. You're perpetuating the ideas behind cancel culture. Cancel culture is a parasite to the world. And it has to be checked. It has to be paid attention to. Even with like the increase of censorship across different media platforms. People are trying to stomp out individuality. And this could increase. Like, there are so many books about it. 400, 400, Fahrenheit 451. So many dystopian books where people can't speak their mind and they're living in fear. Because the world, the mass is just throwing its weight around. We got the overwhelming decision. You see, in a perfect world, in a perfect world, cancel culture is a good thing because everyone has a good moral compass. But cancel culture in the modern world is decided by the mass, decided by the biggest force in the world, the common people. The problem with that is this. The common people, um, they're not really the healthiest thinking people because their conditions that they're submitted to that they're placed under are conditions that are conducive to an ill mental state. 50% of the mass is divorced. How many percent of the mass commits suicide? How many percentage of the mass has depression? How many percentage of the mass has anxiety? And all these different mental illnesses and mental disorders. These are the people who are you know, influencing what, you know, or making the final decision on what is ethical and what is right and what is not. These are the people who are facilitating cancel culture. Beautiful ideas are plentiful when they exist and they're plentiful in a vacuum. But when they go through the mass of society, they start to turn ugly because they go through a society that is unwell in the fact that they're really driven by this mindset of competition self-serving and all that self-serving competitive mindset and everything they experience is reinforced by the fact that the conditions of living in a mass like 70 percent of americans living check to check you know all of these americans like you know being shoved this commercial 
bad food down their throat every single day. You know, it is literally like a, a, a breeding ground for this negativity, for this mindset. And if an idea like cancel culture passes through that mass and then that mass feels like they can use this as a weapon, it's essentially like your parents are saying, because I'm the parent, because I'm bigger than you, because I'm the mass, because I'm the authority. Even in the instance where, where you are right or wrong. And also the mass believes in the mainstream, which the mainstream is not necessarily a compass for truth. You know, it just throws around its weight. And the ideas that originate from this mass are ideas that originate from its essence of self-serving and competitiveness. Okay? Essentially, you have a big mass of people that are just saying, we're right because we feel. And all the designers, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, and all these different people who literally create the world from their ingenuity, their ideas, because they're coming from a place that the mass doesn't recognize, a healthy place, a place of abundance, a place of joy, a place of collaboration, a place of empathy. Those ideas are the ones that, that are first to get shot down. You know? And people like the idiots on Twitter. Twitter, man, Twitter is the full of knuckleheads. Twitter is just idiot. You know, Twitter is just idiot culture in general. If you use Twitter, man, just delete your Twitter right now. I've deleted my Twitter. I don't use Twitter. I don't think I've used Twitter because people on Twitter are absurd. Now, listen, I call people on Twitter and Twitter culture idiotic in a very friendly way. Like you call a sibling or a friend or a brother an idiot. Like, oh, that dude's an idiot. You know? Because we're all friends here. We're all people here. We need each other. We need to empathize with each other and collaborate. But uh, Twitter culture is idiotic. Okay. So <laughs> they believe that this tool of cancel culture is, their, you know, the weapon that, you know, society needs. The choice that society needs. But in all actuality, when you break it down... The history of cancel culture, like I said, it perpetuates all the negativity that people hate. But cancel culture is a thing that is has been around since the dawn of time. Like I said, the a microcosm for cancel culture is the way that you behave within your own relationship. But even before that, cancel culture has been you know been, been around for, since the beginning of time, and they seem to think it's a new thing. So here's the old and the new cancel culture head up, like you know held beside each other. The old cancel culture is. When a dominant force in society has all the power. Think about back in the day where there's no media. And so the mass really doesn't have a voice. It's uncollected. It's unscattered. And they can't really collectively decide on something in an instant. And so what is cancel culture back then? What cancel culture is back then is that someone is rising up. Maybe it's a company. Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's a mass movement. They have a bunch of ideas. And the people who are at the top of the country, what they do is say, no, your ideas won't pass. They blacklist them. Because they're all in a conglomerate, they're all in a network, they're all working together. Maybe it's kings and queens and all these different people. Someone that's a commoner is coming up with an idea. And the people at the top say, no, we don't like that idea. They blacklist them. Blacklisting is the old cancel culture. Back in the day in Hollywood, back in the day in the music industry, if a musician was coming up that the music industry didn't resonate with and they didn't like their ideas, they didn't want to put them on, what would they do? Blacklist them. We're not going to you know, put you on our record label. Because there was no internet, you couldn't get famous without a record label. Because all these different media outlets were in codes. Even think about acting. And that's why they have different systems like, oh, you need an agent, you know, and work with an agency to get in a movie in Hollywood. And, you know, if Hollywood doesn't like you, what do they do? Oh, we don't like this actor. We're going to blacklist them. It's the controlling of ideas because you feel like you can and because you feel like it doesn't regulate you. You know, think about back in the day, even before, like, modern civilization as we know it. Think about, like I said, people like Galileo, Copernicus, uh, 
you know, minds that, you know, the first people that thought of heliocentrism. We revolve around the sun. We exist in a solar system that revolves around the sun. They don't revolve around us. Think about the first people that combated religion and thought of a different religion. All those people were what? The people in power said, we're going to blacklist you. Chop his head off. Silence or violence. We're going to kill you. We're going to stop the growth of your, growth of, growth of your ideas. Now, what did that lead to in a lot of these different countries? Commoners coming up with ideas, kings chopping their head off. What did it lead to? A lot of the times it led to mass revolution, mass murder, mass killing. You know, and then the commoner class, they become the kings and queens. They become the people in power. And what does that lead to? Oh, all they know is what they got from their parents. A hatred for the people who are at the top. And that hatred doesn't transform into, okay, now all of a sudden we're going to be virtuous that can't they embody the same thing they try to cancel the next group of people who agree with the old way of doing things and the old ideologies which leads to another revolution mass killing mass you know think about it it's a perpetual cycle that goes on and on and on and on because human beings are naturally set to you know it's literally in your dna to be self-serving and be competitive and care only about yourself and your own ideas and to cancel everything else and we're leading to a point where our society is becoming that way. Except in the modern world where rappers don't have to sign to record labels. This is the new cancer culture. Rappers don't have to sign to record labels. Actors don't necessarily have to go through agencies. You know, people who write books can write, you know, self-publish and get their ideas out into the world. Now, a lot of what the world is, and this is just a theory up until this point. This is me speculating, meaning I can't prove this at all. Now, what I believe a lot of the world is, is instead of blacklisting people with the big powerful people do in different industries is they you know they have information on different people they pull up different information on people so when they don't like somebody like doja cat oh let's pull up all these video chats she did make it seem like it was completely by accident let's get society to blacklist doja cat let's get society to blacklist donald trump let's get society to you know, not donald trump i mean kanye west let's get society to blacklist elon musk it's literally the same formula of blacklisting. And I feel like a lot of people on the ground feel like it's their own ideology doing it. They feel like they're thinking their own thoughts. But if you look at the way politics go, it is really people like Donald Trump, billionaires, people who are powerful, people who know things that are convincing the masses to cancel people like Hillary. Who came up with the term crooked Hillary? Think about that. Now, on the other hand, the Republicans, you know, they want to get dig up all this stuff to cancel Trump. It happens year after year, time after time. And the masses just eat it all up. They just ride after it. And so even in, you know, the masses even think it's their own idea. But even in the fact that the mass is throwing around his own way, in a lot of ways, the mass is manipulated to do so. What I'm saying is this. Diversity is the way. An echo chamber is not the way cancel culture has to be canceled cancel culture threatens the future and the freedom and the diversity of ideas that push humanity forward that we all know and love so what did russell brunson do in a situation where people were attacking him online he's a competitive guy this is what he's saying in his podcast and he wants he wants to lash back out and fight people and defend himself because he's a wrestler he grew up with that in his blood and i know how that is i'm a wrestler too but what did he do? He got he got on the social media. He was feeling angry. Some of his family members attacked back and said something. His wife was reading messages and crying. But what did he do? He, he jumped online and he left the post up. And then instead of calling people names and things like that, he said, hey, everybody, 
what am I wrong about? Can you, can you help me out? What, what? He started to listen. He started to integrate with the public. And the whole scenario blew over. Because he empathized with people. He started to collaborate with people. And started to fill in the holes of where he might have been wrong. And in the end, instead of creating a divide, it all worked out. I was listening to an Alex Becker video just recently. Uh, he was talking about Grant Cardone. And the way Grant Cardone uh, handled somebody named Meet Kevin. Meet Kevin was like trolling Grant Cardone, running through, trying to run through his office and doing all types of knuckleheaded things. And Grant Cardone, what he did was put lawsuits against Meet Kevin. And he, 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 you know, he, he trash-talked Meet Kevin on social media. He made videos about him and things like that. But all it did is make Meet Kevin stronger and perpetuated that which Grant Cardone did not want. I mean, Kevin has a mass following on YouTube at this point. Not bigger than Grant Cardone's. I love Grant Cardone, by the way. I don't like me, Kevin. Uh, and a lot of people follow me, Kevin. And they are just trash-talking Grant Cardone, saying he's going bankrupt and all these different things in the comment. None of which is true. But they believe in and they follow their figurehead. Because Grant Cardone has met them with resistance. My man's Rashad said something important. You don't meet resistance with resistance. He tried to cancel with a lawsuit. Stop it. I'm going to stamp you out of existence. Rightfully so. But guess what? It led to more of the culture that he despised in the world. And it led to a greater admiration of it from the people that followed. What I'm saying is this, man. And Alex Becker said, if you want, because he had enemies and do similar things. If, you, if Grant Cardone wanted to get rid of me, Kevin, he should have just said, what do you think is wrong and how do you want me to fix it? Yeah, come in. Let's have sit down and have a talk. That takes the fire out of your movement. Looks look, makes the person pursuing you look kind of delusional. What I'm saying is this: cancel culture. We have to stop it. If you're someone that wants to get your ideas out into the world in the form of mass movements, you have to find ways. First off, in the modern era, because we can't stop it abruptly. It's going to take time. You're going to have to find ways to circumvent that cancel culture. And you're going to have to find in your ability to understand the people who are throwing stones at you every day and how to leverage them to make your movement even more massive. Because everyone who has ideas, they're going to try to cancel you. They killed Martin Luther King. They canceled him. And guess what? His movement grew stronger because of it. You know, and that was a little bit about my commentary on the riots and things like that. The protest, rather. I'm not going to call them the riots over George Floyd's death. What I see is a lot of people, and like I said, an idea passes through the mass and it becomes something that you can't really recognize. A lot of people tried to cancel the police officer that killed George Floyd. Rightfully so. I understand why they felt that way. I can feel you on that one. But we tried to do the same thing about Freddie Gray back in Baltimore when I lived there. Why are we riding four years later? You just perpetuate that which you don't that, that you don't want. The only way is to look and empathize and then integrate. That's the only way. And so basically what this episode was about and what I wanted to say is this. Designers, we have to come together and we have to whatever way we can stop society from becoming an echo chamber of all the same ideas. People with uncontroversial, controversial, unpopular opinions, opinions that people don't necessarily know or understand or resonate with, non-traditional, you know, we got to come out and we got to come hard. 
we got to come hard. We can't let people, we can't let people continue to, oh, I'm going to cancel this. Oh, I'm going to cancel that. I'm going to cancel this. We can't let this continue. You know, we got to find a way, a way that's, you know, collaborative to speak out against this and stamp it out at every turn. I think it should be the mission of every designer and everybody who resonates with me and the ideas I express on this podcast to go up against this force of people who just want to cancel, 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 cancel all day. Using the guidelines that we explained for actually changing issues. Maybe it's you got to start a podcast. Maybe you got to start a podcast to talk to some of these people. Just to put your ideas out into the world in a way that's non-confrontational. That's non-confrontational. Yeah, I don't got to remind confrontational, but you don't want to stamp out an idea. Just put out ideas that changes the minds of the people in this mass. Whatever you have to do, whether it's on Instagram, YouTube, podcasts, we have to make sure we pump in our own propaganda. Propaganda is not a bad word either. It just means uh, you want to change somebody's mind through the through the medium that you're using. We got to pump our propaganda. We got to turn it up to top notch because I'm looking at the world and the way it's going and the fact that you cannot have a voice. You cannot have opinion. You cannot have, act in a way that people don't resonate with. And we're heading down a sad path. I want to, you know, I want to go the opposite way. I want to live in a society where my children feel like they can be anybody who, who anybody they want. I want them to feel the strength that I felt of opinion and stance when I was 18, when I was 19, when I was 20, when I was 21, when I was 22, and when I'm now 23. I want them to grow up in a world where they feel that way. So, like Elon Musk tweeted on Twitter, it's time to cancel cancel culture. That's all I really have to say, man. I appreciate everybody for listening to this podcast. Appreciate everybody for listening to this episode. I appreciate every designer who wants to push their design out into the world. I value and appreciate your design. I understand you. I'm going to listen to your design no matter how much I don't understand it at this core level. I want to hear you out and I'm going to cultivate your ideas. I'm going to hope them, help them grow and I want to hope for them at the highest level. So if you enjoyed this podcast episode, I appreciate you. You know, uh, I would ask you also to subscribe to this podcast and rate this podcast on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening to. It'll be a bunch of uh, links down in the description box. One new link that I'll be adding is a link to book a call with me one-on-one and just to talk to me about some of the things that you think. Just talk to me a little bit about whatever under the sun. I want to talk to you about some of the ideas that we have on this podcast. I don't have any products right now. I don't have anything to sell you. Just book a call with me and let's just have a chat. I want to meet with as many designers as possible and hear about your design and the things that you want to push out to the world. And I'll give you the best, my best blueprint and strategy on how to actually do that. Okay, literally step by step for absolutely free. You don't need to pay me. None of that stuff. Just book a call with me using the link, link, link down in the description box. Okay, with that being said, uh, yeah, cancel cancel culture. That should be like on a flag or something. That's our thing. I might make some t-shirts about that or something like that. Because that's our mission. As well as to get our ideas out into the world in the form of mass movements. And without without further ado, I thank you for coming along this journey and listening to my story. I hope you resonated with some of the things I said. But I'm pushing you out to the outro music. Peace out.